0: Good morning. It is 9:33 and joining me now my dear friend Barb Lampson who is a master gardener just like me except she's been around a lot longer. She's been doing it for more than 30 years. Good morning, Barb.
1: Good morning, Karen.
0: The sisterhood of gardeners. Isn't it though you know, you ever uh, we had a kind of chuckle yesterday. You And Harvey Hess and I, all Master Gardeners, were in the studio next door recording our programs that we do uh, for the month. And we were sitting there just getting all excited over potatoes and and bulbs and all kinds of things. And I said, you know, I wonder if somebody looking in would, would and listening to this, I wonder what they would think. They would think... What in the world is wrong with those people? Sort of I guess it's yes. like anybody who has a passion, you just <clears throat> love what it is that yes. you talk about.
1: And 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 you love uh, sharing it with other people. Oh yes. And and you have stories to tell about everything that you do and no kidding gardeners We make lots of mistakes, but boy, we really learn. And then we like to tell other people about those so that they'll learn from our mistakes. Hey, Karen, I did something on Monday night. Um, The Master Gardeners were asked to send a speaker to meet with the new homeowners at Habitat for Humanity,
0: which of course, people who not familiar with it, they provide housing for folks who normally can't get in. Uh, afford right. it. and
1: it's a it's a program where you contribute your labor, sweat, yes, hours. sweat equity, yes. yeah, exactly. And uh, some of the nicest people. I didn't realize that our Habitat for Humanity uh, is a regional place. So we had a couple yes. from New Prague who'd gotten a new home. They were very very excited. Um, Eagle Lake, um, Mankato, Lake Crystal, Waseca. And you know how great to be able to share with them. And for many, I guess most of these people, this home will be their first home that they own. And and we all had that first
0: home. And maybe yes. you didn't. I, I mean, you and I were lucky. We grew up on places where our parents loved to be outside and garden and things. But a lot of people never had that. So to them, it's like this blank... Slate yeah, of yes. I don't know what to do.
1: It's great. And 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 what I was supposed to be talking about was uh, you know getting your yard and garden ready for winter, which is an important topic. Like you say, if you have no gardening experience, if you've just observed things like in parks and that, you really don't know what it takes to do this. So we had a great question and answer session, and uh, we just it was just really good. I'm just curious, what were some of the most common questions? Because you and I have been doing this a long time, so sometimes we forget some of the basics. Well, uh, uh, starting a mulch pile, Ah. Um, uh, compost pile uh, was important and then how to use it and um, I think people I I, this is a generalization but there is a new movement going on and I think um, the there's a certain group of people of younger people they really are aware of what sustainability is and what we have to do for the future to protect our our lakes and our environment and our soil and they're ready to try things you know when I got married uh, I'd never heard of a compost pile oh I hadn't either on the
0: farm I mean it was it was called the manure pit
1: (laughs) yeah well and you know we had on the edge of the woods Anything that you raked up... You dumped. You dumped. And, you know, like when we had old straw and things like mm-hmm. that, there was a place in the barnyard where that went, and eventually these things broke down, and we would haul this soil back into the garden or wherever we needed it. We never thought about a compost pile as such. We just thought of... A place to dump all the scraps, <laughs> like apples yeah. peelings
0: and all kinds of other exactly. things.
1: Exactly. And, and, and our household, with a family of eight was so big on oh, canning and, and of course, and on eating vegetables from the garden. So you always were carrying out potato peelings, carrot peelings, you know, the outside uh, leaves of cabbage and things like that. So you always had this thing going there. And, and it was always kind of interesting to me to go poking around there because the potato peelings, if they were out there in the spring, they would develop into potato plants. But my mother would never let us take those and eat those potatoes now isn't that strange No. what Would did she,
0: she think because they were
1: rejects that they must not be good plants I don't know what she why, why she felt that that wasn't you know she was a, a Lutheran and <laughs> Does that have anything to uh, do yes, with this? <laughs> yes. All my, I raised a Lutheran, you you realized cleanliness is next to godliness. Oh, that might have and, been it. And that these weren't clean. These were raised in this kind of, you know, Marky discarding. pile of yeah, junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well. so that, so, but we could spread this soil on our garden. Bucket. But it
0: was really black gold that you it didn't was. know It then. was,
1: absolutely. It absolutely was. Uh, so, Anyway, it was a great time meeting with with gardeners, but so often what happens in the fall, and this is one of the things I told them, uh, fall in Minnesota is tricky because it can be really warm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it can be so warm that you almost need your air conditioner Nineties, yes, we've had that. And during that time, you think, Matt, I mean, it's not fall yet. We have lots of time to do these things and actually you don't have lots of time to do because these things. Because nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that uh, that I'm going to start doing today when I get home is um, I have plants, annuals, that have been in pots and containers. They look scraggly. I'm going to dump them now. I'm gonna. They're going to go into my new compost pile uh, for part of the basis of that. And then I'll get those. I'm not going to start washing pots yet, but it's going to be pretty soon that I'm going to get that done.
0: You know, that's one thing about washing pots when you dump things out. Um, wash them out because you can; they can harbor fungus and other things that will disease will hang around and cause problems with next year's crop, et cetera. And you don't want to wait too late because no. if you do. It's going to be cold. It's going to be miserable, and you'll probably end up not being able to do it till next spring, and then you're wanting to do everything else. So it is an important time. Now, I'm not going to dump my annuals out. I've got still beautiful pots of super supertunias that are blooming, and, and I try and hang on to those as long as I can. In fact, when it starts to get cooler at night, we'll put a, a sheet or a blanket on them sure. to preserve them because I love the color as long into fall right. as I can.
1: Right. So um, the things I've got in my perennial garden that are annuals, those things are looking good. I'm going to leave them. But some of these other things, not so great. So there, so I'm going to take care of that, clear that off. And then anything like my Christmas cactus. I have a couple different cactuses. I don't exactly want them in the greenhouse right now. I want them to start hardening off in the cold nights. So I'm, I'm moving those into my porch. So anything that would benefit from a cooler night, like a cactus. But if you have a tropical plant, move that inside now get that when the nights get to be 50 degrees all household plants should be back and they're inside. down to 40s now and yes. I brought mine
0: in this past weekend I brought everything in and before I did I cut off all the dead um there's some you know dead branch or branch um, leaves and things like that and I cleaned out the tops where things had fallen in to make it so it was clear and I know you always give your your plants a shower yes. in the tub. And,
1: and I have been you know we we did that dethatch um Renovation of the lawn, and and reseeded. So we continue to water. You know, it takes about 12 to 14 days before your seeds will germinate and come up. And you don't want to lose them at this point. So so if you've done something like that, keep watering them. And really, so far as your trees, shrubs, um, they need an inch uh, of every water a week. Yeah. And so if you if it's dry, and this goes for until freeze up. Just continue to water.
0: Right. I think people forget that because it's like, well, things are they're going to go to sleep anyway, so who cares? But it's, it's sort of like you. If you were hibernating and you're bare, if you didn't have enough food for the winter, you'd starve.
1: Yeah, right. That's maybe not a good analogy, but I... <laughs> and you know, I'm still waiting on my new uh, spring bulbs tulips to come from mine came mine came last yes, week in the and mail yours came so you're all said you can start planting I can start yes
0: they came in the mail from I ordered from a catalog and it says they're from Holland which it, yeah, it's a company yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's a company yeah. called Brex that I just happened yeah, to get Brex, a catalog big
1: big company uh, yeah
0: and they had um all these I got tulips I've got um uh, de- uh, Daffodils. I've sure. got other ones too that say they'll naturalize, and that's something I want to do out on the, the lake area, so I don't have to keep planting. You're gonna every gonna year. love that, Karen. Let's talk okay. about naturalizing. What okay. does that mean?
1: So, so these um, tulips that you get are the unhybridized ones. Um, I forget which country they come from. Is it Iraq? They come from Iraq, Turkey. They originated from, I, I believe so, and then of course. You know, when the Europeans got involved, then they started hybridizing, making them larger and larger and larger. And so these tulips, they they multiply. You plant, let's say you plant in a cluster five. And if you were to dig them up after a season, you'd see they had little, little bulbs alongside of them. So they'll keep spreading out. And you know, actually, daffodils do that, too. And so do crocus, I believe. Yes, they do, but you know crocus? They, alliums, do I know that? Yeah, alliums are really big on that. But um, the crocus, the rabbits are so oh. horrible with them. They eat them off, and, and that's... They never get flowers. You know, no, and they eat they eat everything, because they're the first thing to come up in the spring. And so if we lived in a warmer climate, I think, and had less rabbits, we would have better luck with crocus. I
0: might, you know, I did order some crocus from that company that are orange and I it's, mm-hmm. that's an unusual color so I was really excited I think I'll have to put a little its own little pin around it
1: yeah <laughs> I would I would definitely do and that. I'll never see so here's what I'm doing so my bulbs aren't here but I have to get ready for them. It's kind of like, it reminds me of waiting for a baby. How you... (laughs) Get the nursery ready. Get the nursery ready. Yes. (laughs) Buy the supplies that you think you're going to need. Buy some sleepers. You know, all of this kind of stuff. So now I've moved some plants around, some perennial plants that I thought I could live without because I had them in other parts of the garden. But what I need to do now is to make some kind of a system... Uh, for marking them. So I'm going to take some flat sticks, uh, actually, pieces of wood. Like laths or
0: something, or tongue depressors? Yeah,
1: they're even skinnier than that, because my husband has all that equipment. Right. So when I say, you know, I need something for markers, he makes the most wonderful stakes for me. And they have to be big enough so I can put, you know, at least five four or five inches in the ground mm-hmm. otherwise the frost heaves them up and what I'm going to do instead of writing on them because I always find that the in no time at all the sun fades out the writing I'm going to color code them so I'm going to have red and orange and blue and and then I'm going to have a key and and then I'm going to have that in my journal and I'm going to uh, put down whatever, if red stands for the imperial tulip, and I'm going to put the year it was planted in that. I am on this mission to be better organized with my tulips, and I'm going to see just how hardy they are. If they last, they'll be repeated. If they don't, and it's no fault of their own, if I didn't kill them off, or the moles didn't eat them up, or whatever, or the voles, then I'm going to repeat them. I'm going to see which really works best in my garden.
0: Well, now, because I've noticed there's some tulips that will come back year after year. I did plant what are called those parrot tulips. They, they've they got, yep. uh, they almost look like they're a tropical plant. And, and they
1: open up they're so nicely. They have a And they open thing.
0: up, but they're like really crinkly sometimes. Yeah, they are. They never came back. I planted them one year. I never saw them come up again, and I, I was wondering what in the world and why did they didn't. Do you yeah. know, is there something? Uh,
1: you know, see, that's the whole thing. Why are some of them hardier in our soil than others. So we're going to find out. I had um, Darwin's and the Darwin has that nice big cup on it and you can get them in a variety of colors. Uh, the reds and the yellows
0: are very hardy for some uh, reason. They
1: are hardier than others. The others, especially when, when they're variegated. When they're variegated in color, they I seem to lose them faster. So rely on me. I'm going to have my own little journal. I'm going to have these color-coded by their stakes, and I'm going to stick with this. And if they don't make it, um, that's the last time they go to my garden. Now, you're
0: on a mission like I am with my hostas. You know, I, I, my hostas all are named. I've got stakes by all of the hostas. I even wood burn in the little stakes with my little wood-burning thing. And oh, that's a good idea. But, I, I mean, my tulips, I'm just, I look at tulips now as an annual. Sure. And I just keep planting and buying more bulbs because, you know, they're not really that expensive. And if they keep coming back... All the more tulips, all, yeah. the, all yeah. the better. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and that's a good way to look at it because uh, they're not that expensive unless you get some of these really unique ones that you're right. starting to pay a couple dollars a bulb for. I mean, that's too much to spend $2 a bulb for something. And, and by the time you figure shipping in that, that's really ridiculous. So. If I can buy them, I go to a lot of different stores, box stores, different places. I shop tulips all over. Whenever I go, I think, "Do you have tulips?" I say, "Oh yeah." Even at the end of the season, sometimes you can get deals. And if the ground is not hard yet,
0: you can still put them in. Sure. And I've, I, sure. I told you this before. One year, this is about a number of years back. I put them in as latest December seventh, which I thought was crazy that the ground wasn't froze hard. But it, right, you know. And but they, but came they probably
1: lasted one year. I mean, in the right. But, exactly. But that's okay. They did. Hey, now here's something else. Um, If you have some nice pots that drain and you have saucers to go with them and they're clean and you buy potting soil, you can uh, plant your tulips or daffodils or crocus or uh, any of those spring pots plants and you force them you uh, just plant them the same you would same way you would in your garden only in a pot and uh, water them thoroughly and then I put them in a brown paper bag and put them in my refrigerator down in the basement that keeps them cool and uh, about oh March uh, February March in there uh, I take a look, well, I look at them once a month but I, I bring them up and they've started growing, and they're great. I mean, you get that uh, that color in the winter that you really need, and it's, they last one, that's the, about the only season that you'll have out of them. Some people then try and put them out in the garden, but it's difficult. They have to store up so much food. Our season is so short. And they aren't as vigorous because they were grown in a pot, in the refrigerator, in the house. So they just don't have the vim and vigor that they would if they'd been grown outside.
0: So I got a question from a listener about dividing plants. You know, some plants we talk about there's ideal times to mm-hmm. divide them and I, I truly believe in some cases, a lot of times it's the early spring when things are just starting to come up. Yep. But their question was, they had some daylilies and things. They were wondering if they could still divide it okay. And I said, well, it's not ideal, but you still can. And what are your thoughts on that? <laughs>
1: well, daylilies are just about the most hardy, uh, vigorous plant that you can that you can possibly grow and divide. Uh, they just really don't get a lot of diseases and the insects don't bother them and sometimes until the fall sets in you don't see the quack that has gotten into oh, the yes. center of the plant and really uh there's so many things going on um it is then i would say lift them out i wouldn't have any problem at all but be careful use a spading fork and go all the way around them and lift them out and Keep the leaves intact and the roots intact. And then you can, You'll if you part the leaves, you'll see that there's little spaces. You can slide your fork in there, and you can redivide them into sections. Even if you lose a few of those outside uh, plants, it really doesn't matter. They're so vigorous, and they will really benefit from that. It's the same way with your iris. Oh, my goodness. If you've had iris and you've had them in a clump for a long time. and They
0: just you, kind of don't do a lot.
1: No, they don't. They don't they keep putting up nice Jeez, foliage, but not yeah, nice flowers. But yeah, exactly. And and you improve the soil and you plant them out individually again, they just take right off. They just I mean, they just love you for it.
0: So, how about other things? I mean, in terms of transplanting or doing things now. I mean, it's a great time to plant shrubs and things like that because I know there's. Go to your. Sometimes you can even get deals because the greenhouses are trying to clear out some of their stock. Yeah,
1: it is. It is, and I mean, I think that's really smart to do that. But if you think you're going to do that, get what you need. um, Get what you need to improve your soil, uh, and then improve your soil. And organic matter is the biggest thing. You know, we have to think more about what we don't see what's in the ground versus what's going on on top of the ground. We just really have to keep improving the soil and uh, we know that we have um, naturally occurring phosphorus in our area so uh, nitrogen it doesn't stay fixed in the soil it moves through the soil and that's why we add that but you want to be careful when you're planting something that's new you don't want to burn the roots on that either so if you have something that's water soluble and if I were going to plant now a tree or a shrub I wouldn't look at putting in um a chemical fertilizer. I would just improve the soil with some good amendments. Well,
0: you know, sometimes what I do is I'll buy potting soil, which a lot of times will have some some uh, slow release fertilizer in sure. it, and I'll just dump some in the hole and mix it up with what's there, and that is enough to give it, you know, a, a nutrients
1: and not burn the roots. Right. and and make that hole big enough. Yes. Yeah, so so don't set the pot or don't set the plant into a hole that it it's. It's like a glove, yeah, right. Because
0: you know what happens is is the roots need a chance to spread out. They do, and and get a good hold. So especially with some of the really. tough clay soils we have that, it, that it right. just it I mean the roots just can't get through some right. of that
1: and try and imagine what that's going to be like when it's in a couple of years because if you have to keep especially with a shrub if you have to keep pruning it back yep. it loses that natural shape and then find out to read the label and, and figure out does it need full sun does it need at least six hours do you have six hours of sun there then you can put it there if you have less you need something that's going to be in a more shady area then buy for that so the price doesn't always determine what's the right plant for you or the right shrub for you.
0: Absolutely. Another thing to do now, take pictures. Take pictures in your yard, you know, digital pictures. You can take a lot of them and it's not like you have to go process them so it's not expensive. Take those pictures and then really look at them and then that way next year like you said you mark i mean it's good to mark things too but you can look at them and say what looks good and sometimes looking at a picture you get a bigger view sure. than then you do like up close you say well this is a really pretty plant versus how does it fit with the whole flow of things so i end up taking a lot of pictures of my gardens and then i look back from year to year and i compare and say you know this color really worked or you know i didn't really like this one this year and so that that's always something to help you to start planning ahead
1: yeah, and remember, too, when you take a picture, that's a snapshot in time. Right. This whole picture is going to change again with the seasons. Oh, I so, do it all season long. I take pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes I get sold on something that looks, well, Hydrangeas are one of those things. I mean, they look great now, don't they? Mm-hmm. And we get this big burst of color. But for the majority of the season, they're a green shrub, and right. that's it. But they're nice because... They, they do this spectacular thing. You wouldn't want to fill up your whole yard with that, though, because for you know, most of the summer you would get nothing but green.
0: It's like lilacs too, you know, when I was thinking back in the farm when we had just rows and rows of, uh, a lot of times I used them for windbreaks, and the flowers are so beautiful, but they are very short-lived, and yep. so then you just have green shrubs, and if that, you don't mind that, it's okay, and through taking pictures all through the season, Barb, I've found that there's a period in June and a period in August when my yard isn't as colorful as i'd like it so i have to figure out what can i put in different places to continue the colorful blooms that i have the rest of the year so it's like a a, yeah it's 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 like a movie it's got to keep a continuity
1: you know i i bought a plant that sarah our friend recommended and i can't even tell you the name of it now but she said this is going to be so spectacular in the spring and it wasn't that big when I bought it. Uh-huh. And it's gotten to be like a small shrub. And now I have to dig it and put it someplace else. <laughs> it's too <because> big. <laughs> it's too big, and it blocks everything else. And I've got it clear up into the front. It just shouldn't have that space. That space isn't good. But I have to say, she was right. It's a beautiful plant. It's growing well. It's not I in just, the right place. I just didn't anticipate it to get so big. You know, sometimes you just think these perennials... Are going to stay like something you'd put in the house, you know, like a forest plant or a forest. But um, they, they don't. They get they get big. They have the right conditions. Our soil is great. Um, if they don't have insect problems or disease, they really grow. So,
0: and now you mentioned you were talking to these people at Habitat for Humanity who are just starting new houses, new uh-huh. landscape. One of the biggest mistake people made make when they start out is they look and they see all this space that they should landscape, like you know, maybe you put yes. like an edging in. and so you put a pack the plants in so it looks beautiful. And then when they start to grow, then then you see those, like a lot of older houses where they're overgrown everything. You can't see the windows anymore. And that's a thing to really, and I think I did that at the lake house. Some of the plants, I just wanted to get a lot of color and a lot sure. of texture in there. So, so I'm going to have to dig out some and replant sure.
1: them. You know, one of the things we did talk about was because many of the uh, lots that the homes are built on uh, don't have trees. They don't have landscaping. They have to do that themselves or there's a very minimum. And so we talked about uh, uh buying trees, shade trees for your yard. And I only had the one homeowner who had planted one tree. And one of the things uh, that we talked about was whether to stake it or not. Now, I have always staked my trees simply because I live on top of the hill and it's windy. But now the university says that if there are left unstaked, they de- develop stronger roots, and they will stay in place. But if you have a lot of wind, that first year, they're going to be bending, and you, and you want to correct that. So what I told them was if you're going to stake a tree, stake it just for one year then, and especially if there wasn't a real good root, root development. Sure. You know, the city uh, planted a tree on my property, which would be the boulevard, and. There was just no root to that at all.
0: Was it a bare root that they brought in? Just, yes, okay. it
1: was, and and they didn't stake it. Oh. I called, <laughs> and they came back, and they I insisted that they stake it because it wouldn't have survived right. otherwise. You know, it would. I would have come home one day and it would have been blown over. Really. Well, I
0: got a bare root vanilla strawberry hydrangea tree, and it was bare root and right. so it didn't have the deep root so I did have to stake that too mm. but now it's getting more of a hold so next year I will not stake it so it has a chance to to get that sturdiness that it needs because if you have it staked the whole time it's just going to get sort of like anything if you don't use your your limb because it's um you know in one place it's right. not going to get the muscles that, it won't yep, get strong. Yep
1: that's right you know I've noticed too especially when you have a one-story house, like a ranch-style house, Mm -hmm. how lovely these smaller specimens are. They don't uh, drown out the house. So there's uh, a hydrantia that's trained to be a single standard like that. They look great. They look just really great. They can really make a statement. Don't get them too close to the house. But, you know, some people want to plant underneath the eave, never do that you go out from the eve right. and then from there start considering where you're going to plant and i what i like to do is just like arranging your furniture you know i like to drag my pots around and from here <laughs> and there too. and in a little bit f- out and 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 then sit back off really back off and, and and take a look at it sometimes i have to go to my neighbor's house and i have to sit on her porch and, and take look a look and see that. what i need to do yes
0: right uh, and and your husband says really do you want it here Yes. now? Is this for sure where you're going to put it? Because once you plant it, it's a lot harder to move it.
1: Before we go off the air, I just want to say congratulations to the Ginsels on their large pumpkin. Oh my
0: goodness. I was I drove by there last night. The the Ginsels, it was in the paper, uh, over 1,000 pound pumpkins. Yes. And it's surrounded by just a Beautiful, beautiful annuals of uh, Cosmos, Zinnias, Marigold, just this gigantic border, and it's amazing.
1: And our friend Harvey, who, who knows the Ginsels, said people are welcome to park in their driveway out there. And, and take, pictures. take
0: pictures, yes. Well, you know, I went by there last night after coming back from the lake, and they actually have a spotlight on one of those giant pumpkins. So it was. I wow. said, boys, look at this, because yeah. it was getting dark, and it was just really yes. cool. So they really are proud of that, and they should be.
1: I'm going to go out and see that tonight. I'm going to take a picture, too, because uh, when I was uh, had 4-H kids, I was a 4-H leader, we had a pumpkin contest, and I'll never forget uh, it was just in our club, the excitement of the kids and the pride that they took in growing these pumpkins. And I suppose maybe the biggest one was maybe 8, 9, 10 pounds. But uh, Byron Kunkel, who was our agent, came and judged it. And, wow. and it was just, it was a wonderful thing. Kids love pumpkins why not I yes do too. why not i do too
0: yeah so so the Ginsels you go out um on the the road uh, past the airport and then it's on county road two, blurth county two. so after you go past the airport on i think it's 12 you'll take a right and then on two and it's not too far down the road
1: it's a beautiful sight. just it a beautiful very nice new home yeah, yeah. right right
0: okay barb is great chatting with you Good. and uh happy gardening thank you see next you next time. week yep bye-bye. bye-bye all right it is